0: So we, um, we're going to continue on in a series we're doing. We just started it last week called The Humble King. Today we're going to talk about The Humble King of Hope. And this is our Advent series. Uh, last week we talked about humility and, and we talked about how Jesus modeled humility and the way that he came. And the Advent season is just about that. It's about how Jesus came uh, to earth and, and what that looks like and it's why we celebrate Christmas and what it means for us and how it changed Everything. And so typically in the Advent season, there's sort of four main topics that the church has always done um, historically over this time of the year and look at them in different ways. But those those four main topics that you sort of look at in at uh, to prepare for Christmas are hope and peace and joy and love. And so we're going to be doing that together today. We're going to talk about hope. We're also going to be tying all these things into how humility works in to the process to really experience these things And the other thing I want you to see, until we'll touch on them briefly in each one, is that they tie with some very important things that I always want you to know, that I will talk about from time to time. I don't do a whole lot of Christianese sort of terms, but the ones that I do are important for you to get a hold of, and so we're going to talk about hope today, which has the idea of glorification in it, and then next week we'll talk about peace, which has the idea of justification, and then we're going to talk about joy which has the idea of sanctification, we're going to talk about love, and we'll talk about salvation in that message, and what it means, and how they all tie together. So be listening for it as we go, as we talk about hope, and uh, you will hear me just touch briefly on glorification today in the process. So um, that's the intro. Bad joke or two. These are really bad, but it's all I got. So it's, uh, you know, it's Advent, so I got myself a an advent calendar from Microsoft. But I'm worried that after I've opened three or four windows, I won't be able to open anymore. (laughs) I know. See? Your response was better than the last two by far. You're my favorite. What's the best Christmas present in the world? A broken drum. You just can't beat it. So I said that joke because we, we um, Alice and I are blessed. You know, our kids uh, grew up here. Obviously, they've been here their whole lives. They were born here. And they, they, didn't, they didn't go away. They stayed here with us. Douglas is, you see, Douglas is on staff with us. And my, my daughter, Sarah, married a commercial fisherman. So she's here. And uh, so we're, we're blessed. They're here. And, and so our grandkids, we have seven. They blessed us with seven grandchildren. They're all here. So we got together Thursday night for dinner. And the youngest of those grandchildren are twin girls who just turned three. And they have a lot of energy, I like to call it. And they're just constantly moving. They haven't really grasped the concept of sitting down and having dinner yet at a, at a table. All the other ones sort of have, but, but not them. So um, they keep things exciting for now. And they're running around everywhere. We're at Doug's house having a nice dinner. And um, um, there's a, he's got a conga in the corner of the room, uh, actually the dining room sitting there. And uh, the twins found it. And I'm amazed at how loud they can beat that drum. Whap, whap, whap. And we'd say, you don't do that. And they'd kind of go, okay. And then the moment you weren't looking, whap, 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 whap. And then, then the other one would sneak in and do it as well because they double-team all those things all the time. So um, that's why the whole thing about how cool a broken drum really is. So <laughs> sort of take that in. All right, two bad ones. This was the last one. i, I got to toss this one in. It's for everybody who's just come from up north or who's still up there watching us. A wife texts her husband, On a cold winter morning, she says, windows frozen won't open. And the husband texts back, gently pour some lukewarm water over it and then gently tap edges with a hammer. Ten minutes later, the wife texts back, computer really messed up now. (laughs) I think because I told you how bad they were, that's a little mercy laugh in there, but we'll take it. Apologies to the visitors. Scripture reading. This, is the, this will be the sort of foundation for this entire series. So we looked at it last week. I want to read it again. Just take it in as we go. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love, being one uh, in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset or attitude as Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. That's what Advent is all about. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death. On a cross, we celebrate that and and the resurrection on Easter. Therefore, verse 9, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Powerful passage of Scripture. And we dug into there last week, and we, we talked last week about the humility that's demonstrated there as, as Jesus comes and, and empties himself and, and takes on flesh and lives this life here among us. And how that's sort of the, the model. Jesus is our model for life and ministry, and he models humility in the process. And it's fascinating, and, and speaking of that, I want to read you this next verse, because again, Jesus will demonstrate His humility in amazing ways. This is part of the Christmas story, Luke 1, 26 and following. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Of the Most High, the Lord God will give him the throne of his Father David, and He will reign over Jacob 's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Another powerful passage of, of why we 're celebrating and, and why we celebrate Jesus at Christmas. And you know, we talked about humility, if anyone could be impressed with sort of their Christmas resume. It would have been Jesus, right? Uh, and, and just in that passage that we read, who he's, he's going to be great, and, and uh, uh, you know, He's going to reign over David's kingdom and, and forever and ever. And uh, You know, the Old Testament tells us that He's mighty God and, and prince of peace. And in the New Testament, we know He's Lord of Lord and king of kings. And, and here's the thing, that, that Jesus knows each of these titles and all that it means. Uh, and yet when He walks this earth... He does it in in a very humble way. And he walks and he... So I love that Jesus, you know, you read the Gospels and you see how he sees people that everybody else misses. That the people miss, that the established religious community miss. But Jesus sees them because he knows it's not about him. Uh, it's about God. And he reaches out and he ministers to them. And miracles take place. And he makes way for them to be introduced to the kingdom of God. And yet he never takes on, you know, in his own self, well, it's all about me. It's always about the Father. He approaches this thing with great humility. And he has, he has this hope in what the Father's doing uh, through Him and in Him on this journey. And this this same hope, I think, allows Jesus to see people uh, and have hope for them. And I love that about him. I love that he sees the beauty of our potential when he looks at us. Not all the mess that everybody else sees. But when Jesus saw people, because of this humility, he had this great hope for them. And he demonstrates it. He's got hope for everybody that he meets. And I love that. And, and he wants us to experience this type of hope in our lives. And, and, and so that's what biblical hope, hope is really all about. See, hope, biblical hope is a trustful um, expectation, particularly when it comes to the fulfilling of God's promises, that, that uh, biblical hope is, is trusting that God will do what he says he's going to do and, and, and that he's demonstrated that he's going to do what he said he was going to do time and time again so that we can trust him. Worldly hope is different and that we get that confused all the time when we talk about hope. We often think about worldly hope, but, but worldly hope is based on a feeling that what is wanted will happen. So we say things all the time like, uh, today's a a football day, I believe. Um, Well, I hope today that my team will win. Now, for some of you, you you might have a better shot at that than others. Uh, But some of you staunch fans of some teams that have demonstrated not be very good, it's it's a long shot, you know what I'm saying? And it's not, that's not biblical hope. That's a, it's a worldly hope based on a feeling that something you want might happen. So you have hope in there. But hope, biblical hope isn't based on a feeling. Biblical hope is actually the confidence that what God has done for us in the past guarantees our participation in what God will do with us in the future. And so hope definitely impacts our now life, but there's a big piece of it that's part of the future that's coming for us. Uh, the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews ten twenty three, "Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful." And so, so we need to be aware of that—that that he's faithful, and and particularly when we're going through experiences in life that are difficult, and and because it's a fallen world and a broken planet, we 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 get some of that, but he wants us to know that that we can have hope in him and that's where we're going to find life to persevere no matter what's going on in our life he's the god of all hope and because of that there's some things that impact us directly so this is the first one because of that you have a wonderful promise you have a wonderful promise the the basis for our hope is is found in the way that god has kept his promises in the past, and think about it you know go, go back to the the Garden of Eden, back in creation, and you know we talk about creation, the creation account here because it 's so fascinating, and how God was moving, and how he speaks into it these ten words and, and ten times, and everything changes, and, and you know Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all there, making things happen, and there 's this point when he creates us, and he creates men, and he he breathes into man and the, the man becomes alive really at that point and it's a picture of the Holy Spirit coming in and somehow tying us into this amazing relationship with, with God in in a in just a, a way that we really can barely comprehend at this point in time. And then all of a sudden in Genesis three the fall takes place. Our our ancestors choose to go their own way. Which and we would have done it, we can't blame them. All of us have done that at some point. And everything is changed at that moment, drastically changed, and a lot of it is the sort of the Holy Spirit exit in, in that process, and not there, in, any longer, on, but not in, and, and the Adam and Eve looking around, and everything looks different, because they are seeing it in a completely natural way, instead of, you know, with the help of the Spirit, and they're ashamed, and they you know, they realize they're naked, and, and all these things start to happen to them, and everything is different there, and God looking into that, and you, what's God going to do, you know, because that, that, that changed the, everything, right, that, that sin and stained creation, and always, and has ever since, and, and you know, that the that, that mess that's taken place, and yet God, because He could have just started over, He's God, and yet that's not what He does, He cares for humanity, and so he makes a way. And way back in Genesis 3, he starts the beginning of this redemptive plan that he has, where, where he's going he's gonna to make a way for us back in the process. And it's a very small verse, and people overlook it all the time. But it's Genesis 3.15, and this is this powerful verse. It's packed with things that he's going to do. And really, from here, from Genesis 3.15, we call it the crimson thread of redemption. You'll, you can watch this thread that unfolds throughout the rest of the Old Testament. I would say that, that really the rest of the Old Testament is... is is making this verse take place at the cross in the process. And, and here's what he says. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And you think, well, what's in that verse? But, but there's six things that are in there that are absolutes about this plan that God has to reconcile us. That God's plan centers in a specific person. That person will be a man. He will enter the human race by being born of a woman. That's important. He's not going to be an angel or anything else. It's going to be entered through the way all of us enter through in the process. He will do battle with the evil one. The evil one will strike a blow against him. That happens at the cross, but will not defeat him because of Easter. And ultimately, he will crush Satan in his power. See, there's this amazing promise way back in Genesis 3.15, and, and we have seen the fulfillment of these promises and knowing that Jesus is coming back for number six, because all those first five I told you, he's already dealt with. And, and, and so it's very important that we get that. But that's just the first of a promise. There's a long line of promises throughout this this thread that I talked about. And you can read them as you go through the Old Testament. And I, I can't go through them all because we don't have time but, but you can know that, that it was prophesied that, that this one that we've talked about will come from the tribe of Judah. That he'll be a descendant of David. That he'll be born in Bethlehem. That he'll be born of a virgin. And it goes on and on and on. And what we celebrate is Christmas is that Jesus came as the only one who could ever meet all those requirements and qualifications for Messiah. And his name is is jesus christ and we celebrate him and because of that wonderful promise all sorts of things happen in our lives the second thing that happens is this that you have a wonderful life because of the wonderful promises fulfilled in Jesus, you can have a wonderful life now. I said, you know, hope has a, a future picture to it, and it does. But, but because we have hope in what's coming, it impacts the way that we live life for now, where, that Jesus came so we can have full and abundant life now and forever. But there's fallout from living in a, in a broken world on a fallen planet. And I love, I love this. It's, it's from the Psalms, Psalm 46.1 it's a it's a great verse God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble you know the the, in the kids verse today it talked about Emmanuel which means God with us but I look at that verse and I love it um, because first here's something that I hope you notice in there for this ever-present to experience this ever-present help um, there's a condition there that you need to be in trouble and I don't find myself having any difficulty to be in that state all the time. I don't know about you, but it's pretty regular. In trouble. Okay, I got that one knocked. What does it mean? It means God is our refuge and our strength in those times. Isn't that amazing news to know that, that through everything that goes on, He's our refuge and our strength. In this life and in everything that we face. And so, so we get to experience him now in the midst of everything. And that we have mission and purpose and adventure in this life. That, that, that because of this hope that, that we know what's taking place, um, we have things that we're to do now. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 2.10, we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were created to be a part of this amazing story that I talk about all the time. He invites us into this story. And, and, and there's so often I think people come and they, they know Jesus and they, they don't connect with this next part. And they just kind of move through life, but they're missing uh, how amazing it is. This life in Christ. How there's nothing else like it. How it, it, I, I think sometimes people are uh, like upset because it's not perfect now. Um, it's not perfect now. But there's no better life than this life in Christ. There's nothing else like it that, that he's with us and for us and that we make a difference in the world around us. That, that living this world with hope impacts the world for him and it changes us to know that we have mission and purpose that we count that we matter that each person in this room makes a difference and that we have to sort of live in that tension and grab a hold of that to experience life third you have a wonderful future ahead of you this is that future component that makes a difference in what we experience now you have a wonderful future ahead of you peter says this in uh, first peter 1 Three and four. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. An inheritance that can never um, perish, spoil, or fade. Think about that and what that means and where it's kept, it's kept in heaven for you. So, So we're experiencing some of this amazing life now, but what's coming is so much better that we almost lose sight of it. This is the idea of glorification, that there's a time coming when Jesus will come for us or we'll be with him and everything changes and everything is made new and we experience things that we've never done and it talks in the Bible about a new heaven and a new earth everything recreated and set back right the way it was before the fall and see that's our hope and that's our promise and Paul says in Ephesians 1 and, and to me this is amazing when I think about what this inheritance must be like because Paul says in Ephesians 1 that the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance now a deposit you get the idea of putting a deposit on something to hold it. And a deposit is a good thing to have, but it's not as good as what's coming, right? And now you think about how amazing the deposit is that we have. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit comes and resides in us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's now in the midst of all this mess. And, and he's the deposit. How does, that, how does it get better than that? I don't even think you can begin to imagine what's coming. I don't, I don't think we have a good idea of what it means to experience our eternal life with God. Too many people have sort of settled on this picture. I've had people come and tell me sometimes, well, it's going to be boring. We're just going to be hanging around on clouds playing harps. That is not what this life is heading you towards. I promise. I promise when, when everything is redone, he's going to do everything over, right? Recreate new heavens, new earth. You're going to just, you're going to be in this exhilarated sense of awe. For the rest of eternity, you're going to just be experiencing and doing things and and all sorts of things are going to be happening. There's going to be life and it's going to be full and it's going to be over the top. And and you're you're, going to be like, yes, and, and we get taste of it now. But what's coming is so much greater in the process. And that's where we have our hope. See, if you don't hang on to that, sometimes you can get overwhelmed with what's taking place right now. But this hope that we have that no matter what's going on now, something so much better is coming. That it allows us to get through every situation, it's just it's just the part of it that leads to the better part. Can can you imagine? Alice and I've been blessed. Uh, we've been given a couple of times cruises to Alaska with a group that we work with, and we've gone, obviously. And, and uh, who wouldn't, right? So, and and there are times when you open up. Uh, up to creation there you experience it here at some level too but you know, I've been here for so long now sometimes I miss it, I get that but we would just go and these, these panoramic scenes of the creation of God the, the mountains and the snow and the animals and the eagles and the birds and the whales and, and everything happening all at once you're, you're overwhelmed at what's taking place your senses are just like on fire and, and, and yet it's nothing compared to what's coming and so you need to live in that tension and in that understanding of light the life of what's taking place. And that's where we find hope. And when we're living with biblical hope, it does impact the world around us. It brings hope into every situation and everything that's going on, even the hard stuff. Because he's the God of all hope. Hope invaded the world 2,000 years ago. And the way that hope invades us now gets back to humility once again. We humble ourselves to Jesus, our humble King. And we, we give ourselves to Him, and we live life His way. And it changes everything. And so sort of resonate on those things in, in the weeks ahead. Paul said in Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. My prayer for you is that you will this season overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Ministry team, those of here, why don't you head over to the wall? People on the way over to that wall here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they're going to make sure you get it. But let me pray for you as a group. And then we can have breakfast and dismiss. Papa, you are good. And we love you so much. You're an awesome, awesome God. And I pray, God, that... that you would have your way in us and and in this life as we experience you and as we're filled with hope that not only would it change us, it would change the world around us for you, that you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area, that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as our Lord and Savior. We pray again today. For every church in this area, God, where your word is preached, ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You're such an awesome God. If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there will pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations. If you if you feel like you're struggling with hope, that you've you've felt a little hopeless, that that sometimes the the Christmas season actually brings on sort of a a little wave of depression or anxiety, I feel like God just really wants to give you sort of a a hope boost today. And maybe you should go and let someone pray for you, and today just for that whole thing. And say, hey, I just need a little hope boost, and let them pray for you. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that today, too. That's where everything starts. It really just requires humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us. You've sinned, asking Him to forgive you, which you do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it now. It's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And if you need help, just go and ask someone. Just over there at the wall, say, hey, I need to know Jesus. And they'll help you through a prayer. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay in our breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible. Draw people in for the 11 o'clock service, God. You are an awesome, awesome God. Praise God from whom all... Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace and go today in the peace, the power and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayer is there. Breakfast is in the back. As you go, drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to Keys Vineyard.